there, literary fans, and welcome to episode 52 of Jeff Reads His Book. I am your host, Jeff, and today we are going to be reading chapter 5 of Homecoming, a yet-to-be-published book I wrote in a month. Well, if you want to contact me, you can head over to jeffreadshisbook.com, and right there, there's a few ways you can reach me. Email, Twitter, some nerdier things, you know what I mean. And uh, while you're there, why not consider buying a copy of the two published books in this series, both equally terrible, and both linked right there on jeffreadsbook.com. Yes, very fun. So today, we're going to have another quick episode, I think, but maybe it'll get slowed down a little. We do have some feedback, uh... Notably from Glenn, who just started listening to the podcast again, since I had to tell him that it had started again. So I think on, like, uh, you know, smartphones, if you don't use the app for a while, it doesn't turn on anymore. And then it doesn't look for updates, so you don't get the notification that this beautiful work of art is now available again. So he stepped in a little late. I think we were through the first three chapters already, but it's all right. It's all right. So why don't we look at a few things Glenn said. So if we remember from chapter one, I did ask about bread. What are your thoughts on pumpernickel? And uh, Glenn responds, your bread choices out you as a secret racist. Because <laughs> apparently I only like white bread. <laughs> Fair enough. Good answer. Uh, what do we have for question two? I don't even remember what the questions were. I got to get the notes out, don't I? All right, let's do this. He says something about Canadians. I don't know what that means. Let's see here. Question two. Wow, this is enthralling audio i'm guessing right uh okay okay here we go oh 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 what do you think of geese okay um and so oh my god i am making a mess here all right here we go glenn says canadians have a reputation of being polite and friendly because they use dark magic to channel all their hate and vitriol into their geese if they hadn't They'd have been the most despised people on earth. It's a shame we don't eat Canadian geese. It's a shame we don't eat Canadian geese. I think even vegans would just like the other, would just like look the other way on it. Sorry, sorry, he corrected himself after that. Interesting, and uh, you know, he incorporates magic, which this book is all about. He also pointed out last week there was no magic, which is a bummer. But anyway, I like it. Yep, Canadians using dark magic. God, Canadian geese suck. Okay. Um, you know, uh, this week, though, I did see some turkeys, wild turkeys. Very fun. Not just the booze, the actual animal. They're pretty hilarious. So, question three. So, um... Now you're racist against... Oh, 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 oh. okay, so <laughs> he says something about me being racist against Eastern Europeans. <laughs> Whatever. He says, it's a good sign there was magic in the first chapter. Uh, can't wait for some cringeworthy romance scenes. Oh, they're coming, people. I think there already was 
I feel like there already were some. When we were talking about the implied sex at the beginning of chapter one there. Yeah, that wasn't good, right? All right, all right. Let's move on. Chapter two. We're going to crank through these feedback answers here. Uh, what were our discussion questions? Let's see. Oh, um, what's your go-to thi- uh, snack at a coffee shop? And Glenn says, I like pastries with nut fillings like bear claws or pecan braids. You don't ever make those types of things at home. And they're savory enough that my kids don't try to steal them. Ooh, smart. All right. I'm going to agree with that. I actually do kind of like... The only pastries I don't like is anything with fruit in it. Just ask Laura. I I am like... I'm pretty dead set against fruit in any sort of baked good. It's not... It doesn't work for me. Uh, Okay, what does he get for a drink? Black coffee, mostly followed by a chai latte if I want to reduce the caffeine and pump up the sugar. Good answer. Uh, Then question three, have you ever worn a cloak? Glenn says, never worn a cloak. I have a poncho I take camping that's the closest thing. Makes me look like Bruce Willis in Unbreakable. (laughs) Well, I hope you don't almost drown in a pool. (laughs) Let's see. Chapter three. Oh, fanciest place. Okay, he has a good answer for this. Um, He says, Cleveland Museum of Art, definitely up there. Stan Hewitt Hall for old school. Stan Hewitt Hall is this like... uh, mansion that you can go visit you know it's open to the public and you take tours and it's uh it was owned by the guy who started goodyear tire and rubber it's pretty damn fancy i've been twice now i think it's neat it's a neat house i guess uh i had a friend who lived in a house like that in high school and i mean well all right that's not true his grandparents lived in a house like that in high school it was pretty nice yeah but it was very similar to stan you would i get the vibe yeah but I don't know. Uh, he also goes on to say, I work. I worked in an old building that was generally a dump. Bugs galore, entire floors abandoned, bad lighting. But one section where the executives say, stay, was old school opulent. Oak doors, plush carpet, chandeliers. It was crazy. Used to go out of my way to use the bathrooms in that section of the building. I hear that. Oh my God, yes. I used to, uh, when I was in college, I would try to plan where I was going to go to the bathroom too. Like... I mean, all the buildings were open, so sometimes I would just go to, like, the, you know, uh, what, the administration building. The the really nice one where, like, the president of the college was. Oh, it was studying in there, and nobody used the bathroom, so it was great. Yeah, I mean, no students. You know, students are freaking animals. Uh, all right, question two. Do you use the word posh? He says he only uses it in his Spice Girls fan fiction. <laughs> I love it. All right, question three. Uh, oh, did you ever violate dress code? My high school had a lax policy of no wearing, no writing on shorts, which was barely enforced. Oh, I see. So, like, if it had, like, a logo on it or a brand name, yeah. I think once I was forced to turn inside out my monster magnet band shirt. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty top-notch. Okay, so now we're on to Chapter 4. We're caught up at this point, right? All right, and I asked, favorite wine, favorite beer. Okay, uh, Glenn says, favorite wine, not much of a wine person, I. The wife really likes Canadian ice wine. If you've never had ice wine, it's so sweet. It's very good, though. It's fun. Uh, you can get it basically anywhere um, in America now, I think. The Canadian ice wine, 
It's expensive, but it's tasty. It's where they uh, pick the grapes while they're frozen and then try to crush the grape juice out of them. And it makes the wine like excruciatingly sweet. Very good, very expensive to make. It's pretty awesome. Takes like, they said like a 375 milliliter bottle requires like a whole vine's worth of grapes. As opposed to like a bottle of wine just takes like one bunch of grapes from a vine. Yeah. So, all right. All right. Does everybody like when I go off on these tangents? I feel like I'm taking a long time, but Glenn had a whole backlog of discussion questions we had to get to. Favorite beer? He goes, very good answer here. Big fan of the stouts, Guinness, left-hand milk stout, oatmeal stouts as well. Really enjoying Hopping Frog Brewery in Akron. Hopping Frog Brewery, they have a nice stout. They, I mean, it is good. It's strong, though, and it only comes in the old double deuce, you know, the 22. But uh, they're pretty good. I do like Guinness. Left-hand milk stout's pretty amazing. I will say, though, that I do pretty regularly when I try a new stout. It sucks. So you have to watch out for stouts. I feel like a lot of people get them freaking wrong, but I don't know. And what does he say? Uh, question three. I must have asked something about politics. Oh, okay. I get into politics for you. I didn't write it down. That's pretty bad. <laughs> oh, I think I just asked if you're interested in politics. I get into politics frequently. Definitely had impeachment fever. I am, that's, if you're not from America, we were trying to remove the president. So, uh, that's actually, I don't know, it seems to happen constantly in countries with parliaments, but, uh, you know, you're always having elections like every two and a half months, but in America, removing a president, kind of a big deal. So, <laughs> all right. Uh, I enjoyed seeing my wife carefully research the primary candidates just to see them all drop out before Ohio votes. That's right. So we are voting for president, but it's the primaries. So uh, I am not a party member, so I vote issues only on the uh, primary, uh, in the primary election. So I don't get to vote for who's president. Because uh, if you do vote for who's president, then you get calls from that political party for like a year until you can get yourself back out of that goddamn party. Ugh. Laura did that once to vote for an old boss for governor in the primary, who she liked. Good guy. But uh, the Republican Party called him for ages, or for, called her for ages after that, inviting her to rallies and stuff. And she was just like, what the hell is, I don't know, I'm not going to this shit. Ugh. So uh, what does Laura say, though? We, we are caught up now, so that was Glenn's answers. Laura has some things to say about wine, of course. Uh, she says, favorite varietal is Cab Sav. As they say in Canada, distinguish it from Cab Frank. Right? So you don't just say cab, because cab franc is a thing. Franc? Frank? Whatever. I have a wine journal that I bought you, Laura. Oh, I'm so nice. In which I've recorded certain very tasty Canadian wines. So if I was good enough to... So if it was good enough to be recorded, I'd say it's one of my favorites. All right. Good good answer. So yeah, we've been trying to like... I, I bought her. It's a handwritten book. So we're going old school. But she writes down the ones she likes. It's cute. I like it. All right, uh, question two. Oh, and this week, I think Wednesday, we're going to go to Firelands Winery in uh, near Sandusky, Ohio. Ooh, it's going to be good. Going to be tasty. Very excited. Very excited. Um, let's see here. Um, two. What is she? Oh, what does she like for beer? I think I even pointed this out, but a nice cloudy Hefeweizen. Did I spell that correctly? 
I guess you don't listen to this podcast because I'm real bad at grammar and spelling. <laughs> I like this especially when it's served with the orange slice. Like, makes a nice snack. <laughs> I don't like the orange slice in my beer, generally, but it doesn't make me mad or anything. You know what does make me mad with, like, Christmas beers? They've been dipping them in, like, cinnamon and sugar. What the hell is that? Ugh, gross. Ugh, ugh. I don't know what that's about. Like, they dip the rim, you know, like you're having a margarita or whatever, but not salty. It's instead sweet and... Cin- ugh. Or, uh, I played soccer last or this past Friday, and some girls were there, and they ordered uh, this blueberry beer, bumbleberry, which it's fine, but oh, they got blueberries in it. I was like, look, <laughs> just berries floating in your beer. No, no thanks, no. All right, uh, then I ask uh, if uh, Laura likes, I asked if you like politics. Laura says, I like politics on TV, like the show The West Wing. Martin Sheen made for a good president. <laughs> so if you're taking notes at home or updating the Jeff Reads' book wiki, uh, Laura thinks our best president ever was Martin Sheen. <laughs> That's fair, though. I mean, he was pretty idealistic, although he did lie about his health situation. Uh, spoiler alert, um, you know, pause or skip ahead 15 seconds. <gasps> he had like, I actually don't remember, MS? Was it M- multiple sclerosis? And he didn't reveal it when he was running for president? Ugh, whatever. Anyway, uh, so we're back, if you just came back from that spoiler alert, concerning a show that was on in the 90s now? Jesus. Ooh, I am old. Wow. Okay, that was a lot of feedback. It probably took longer to read this than to read, uh, like, the chapter, which is going to be bad, and the feedback was clearly better. So continue writing in, everybody, especially Glenn and Laura, because I think you're my only confirmed listeners. If you are a listener, you can write in and just say, shut up, or whatever. It's cool. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Today, we are reading, let's see, I'm on the wrong stupid page here. Uh, episode 52, chapter 5, 75 lines. So today we're going to meet a new character. It's got a, he's got a stupid name. I think it's supposed to be amusing and it's probably not. I should remind everybody this whole book series was supposed to be kind of funny. Like, uh, I don't know. I was kind of thinking like, uh, like Discworld, you know, those kind of books, like the Night Watch or something. Totally failed at it. Don't get me wrong. It's not funny, but yeah. So that little heads up that I'm trying to be funny here. It's going to be bad. Yeah. It's going to be dull and short. Those are the other two notes I made about it. (laughs) Yeah. These chapters, uh, 75 lines. So it's almost twice as long as last week's that took about six minutes to read. (laughs) So we're going to be moving pretty quick through this one too. I'm probably going to have a lot of trouble with discussion questions and get really frustrated while I try to think of them. So uh, why don't we just go ahead and dive in to chapter five. So for today's episode, I am going to be sipping on a nice glass of Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey on the rocks. Ooh, ooh. Mm. I think at this point we're still not repeating anything, which is pretty rad, but ah, it sounds expensive to keep going that route. <laughs> um, very tasty, very tasty. I was thinking when I transferred into... Uh, the reading section of the podcast here. Uh, I liked when it rhymed. 
uh, with uh, without further ado, let's get into chapter two. I should make it start rhyming, rhyming, I think, each time. I'll have to be creative, which I think this podcast and these books have proven I'm not. But eh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Margot squinted as she stepped into the morning sunshine in front of the palace. The air was brisk but refreshing, and the bright light acted to provide some warmth despite the temperature. Wow. Great setting, right? I'm going to have a sip. Mm-hmm. Having enjoyed a pleasant evening and a restful sleep, she felt refreshed and less pessimistic about their trip north than she had the previous evening. In front of her, a royal carriage, possibly the same one as yesterday, she couldn't be sure, was being loaded with trunks. The carriage was outfitted with four horses, and two additional horses were being tended to in front of the carriage team. Margot assumed they would be some sort of armed guards. Henry emerged from the palace and stopped next to her, reaching into the air to stretch. His actions triggered a yawn, even though Margot felt fully awake. When he finally sighed and slackened, he kissed Margot softly. She smiled, happy with the day thus far. Aw, <laughs> this is sweet. <laughs> you know, when I stretch in front of Lara in the morning, it's more violent. It's usually like yelling and, you know, yeah. She's afraid I'm going to, you know, give myself an aneurysm one of these times. Probably will, probably will. And will I even know if I cause an aneurysm? Probably not, right? Okay. Upon seeing the two free horses, he turned to her concerned. We're riding in the carriage, right? Yes, she responded. Why would we be on horseback? Okay, he admitted, staring in concern at the steeds. Wow, look at this. I must have had the thesaurus out today. <laughs> As more people emerged from the palace, Margot turned to find Stephen, accompanied by Erin and an unfamiliar man. He looked to be younger than herself, perhaps Stephen's age, wearing glasses. Oh, so they have glasses in the world of magic. And carrying some sort of bag, presumably filled with, quote, diplomacy and, quote, compromise, she assumed. He was taller than both Henry and her, but his gaunt frame suggested he was no soldier. Margot thought he looked rather harmless. Behind the king was the expected royal entourage that Margot assumed followed every king or queen around. She wondered how anything was ever accomplished in the palace successfully, especially after the previous day's troubles. That was two chapters ago for all my listeners. When the troubles happened, that is. And not the, the, the ones in the book. Jesus. All right. She caught the eye of the attendant who had deemed her unworthy of an audience with the king, and she haughtily turned away. I wish you weren't leaving so soon, Erin said, as she briskly walked up, gotta do a page down, to Margot. Me too, Margot agreed, but maybe when I'm back here we can have a more relaxing visit. I'll probably need it. Are you okay with going on this trip, Erin asked, concerned? You can say no, you know. Margot sighed. I guess so. I'll need to face my family someday. Might as well be tomorrow. Next to her, Henry groaned. 
Another full day in the carriage? Should I groan? Another full day in the carriage? Where did you think we were going? Morrow asked, irritated. I honestly have no idea. My understanding is you'll actually be traveling for two days. This evening, you should reach an army marching north, Stephen said. You'll be stopping at their encampment for the night, and you'll be dining with General... Uh, what's his name? Lord General Futzenheim, your highness. Huh? huh? You like the, that name? I think it's pretty good. Uh, said the man in glasses. Erin made a subtle snoring noise with her eyes closed, and Henry snickered. Margot just nodded with a serious face. She's all business, huh? She didn't find this trip amusing in the least. Well, there you go. And you are, Henry asked the lanky man. Oh, sorry. Margot, Henry, this is Tedward Ingleward, our chief diplomat, Stephen said. Tedward, this is Margot Lafleur and Henry McCallum. They'll be traveling as the other two parts of your diplomatic party. Um, Edward? Margot asked, confused. She thought she may have misheard. Tedward, actually, my lady. You may call me Ted, he explained. My understanding is you'll be helping end this conflict. I suppose, she said, unsure. She looked at Henry, she looked to Henry, who just shrugged, and to Stephen, who was smiling. Fantastic! You'll have plenty of time to get acquainted, Stephen exclaimed. He started towards the carriage, pushing along Ted. Page down. Margot leaned in and whispered to Aaron, Isn't he a bit young? And does Stephen think I know what I'm doing? Aaron whispered back, Yes, he's crazy young, and I think Stephen is quite confident you know what you're doing. Margot hadn't expected that reply. Her silence was noted by Aaron. Look, I think this will be easy. They're basically surrendering. The only reason anyone's going is to sign papers. Although, Aaron trailed off. What? Margot asked. Nothing. It's nothing, Henry responded. Aaron responded. Sorry, because I can't read. What, Aaron? she demanded. There are rumors from the far north. People are saying the northern lords are pledging loyalty. Shouldn't it be fealty? That would have been a better word. I probably didn't know it at the time. <laughs> because they're in trouble or need help or something, Aaron explained. It's probably nothing. Probably, Margot asked. Before she could pry any further, Stephen called, The party is leaving! Off you go, Aaron said, pushing her from behind. Very nice. And that ends Chapter 6! Well, that was a pretty uneventful chapter. I think we're going to get a lot of these in this book at 40-whatever chapters, 46. Oof, 43-whatever. Oh my god, these are going to be bad. Uh, it's supposed to be a little closer to, like, those two-page chapters in, like, a Da Vinci Code. Why do I always go to that one? I think that was, like, the first book where, you know, I was on chapter 163 by the end of it. But, yeah. I actually kind of like that. It leaves you with a lot more drinking breaks? Longer drinking breaks. <laughs> I mean, that chapter that I just read was so short, there were no drinking breaks, and... I mean, I barely got through any of the bourbon while I read it. Yes. Mm. Mm. Just so you guys know, like, there's a pause where I actually go and do things between segments. 
Like, this time I did fill the bourbon all the way back up, and uh, I changed out some laundry. Very exciting. A little insight into an author's life. So now you know how somebody with all this literary acclaim actually goes about his daily business. Yes. So this chapter, what, we got to get ready now. They're going on another stupid-ass road trip. Ooh, boy. I will say that if I'm not mistaken... This one is not like a dialogue in the carriage for a fucking six pages kind of situation. I think it's going to be quick. Like, like the carriage ride isn't interesting. I think where they're going, remember, they're going to go have dinner with Futzenheim. What do you think of that name, huh? That was pretty good, I think. Um, I, I think uh, that's a little bit more interesting, but not. it's not good. I feel like the setting stinks, and I don't know. The whole thing stinks. This book stinks. Jesus. All right. But uh, what are you going to do? So they're going on another road trip. Henry doesn't want to be in a carriage because he's a whiny little bitch. He shouldn't even be whining on this, right? If Margot is all nervous and upset, she has to see her dad again. I think that, I don't know. Did that come up in the book? Well, all right. Spoiler alert. She's going to see her father. Okay. But anyway, um... Maybe Henry should stop being such a little bitch and maybe be a little more sympathetic to Margot, you know? What an asshole, right? Ugh. Anyway, uh, also we got to meet Tedward Ingleward or whatever. Did you like Tedward? I thought it was like Edward, but Ted. I don't know. It amused me slightly when I wrote it. Now I just feel embarrassed, so eh, it's okay. It's okay. I, I See, so this is another like point where I'm trying to inject some humor into this book and it's just it's such a miss oh it's just a miss i don't know how else to describe it Ugh. what are you gonna do i uh, so i did say like i was thinking it should be like you know Discworld, but I, i'm so like in Discworld, i love the characters i really do like all the night watch characters i'm just oh i love them but i don't see how anybody could love the characters in these books <laughs> I mean, maybe, I guess. I guess I like Margot and Henry to a lesser degree. Uh, I don't know. <sighs> well, we'll see. Maybe this book will change my mind, and I will be in love with my two characters. Probably not, though. We'll see. We'll see. Anywho, um, yes, so that's it. So they're leaving Stephen and Aaron. That might be the last time we see him in the book. I seem to remember, like, I was thinking... We would add, like, a, uh, what do I want to say? Like, uh, Margot and Aaron would have, like, matching, like, notebooks, and they could write to each other on them, and they would show up on the other person's. Like, texting, but with notepads. And I thought maybe I'd put it in the book and then never mention it again in this chapter, but I didn't. So I feel pretty good about it. So maybe it's not in the book, I'm hoping, because... While it's an interesting concept, I really doubt that I failed to like that I that I would follow through with it. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. I feel like I was going to add it there, and then I just said the fuck, the hell with this. What are they going to talk about? Are we going to have another Erin chapter? Well, she didn't do anything. She didn't do anything in this book. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's move on to discussion questions because I'm getting a little fed up right now with this story. <laughs> All right, all right, so when they come out of the palace in the morning and Henry's stretching inappropriately in front of everybody and probably his belly's hanging out while he's doing it, you know, because his shirt doesn't fit quite right. 
Ugh, yeah, that's probably not a good sh- good scene, am I right? All right, so he's all nervous that he might have to ride a horse, okay? Which I think I've pointed out before, he doesn't ride horses. And that was supposed to be like some idiotic, comedic aspect of bringing balance that I never actually went through with because... I don't know. I don't know why. Who gives a shit? But, uh, all right. So my question is, can you ride a horse or have you ever ridden a horse? I can honestly say that I never have. I've never been on a horse, which is kind of sad. I guess I've been in a horse-drawn carriage, although I'm really struggling to think when that was. I think maybe... Laura, write in if I've been on a ho- in a horse-drawn carriage. I feel like maybe we have, but probably not. Now I'm thinking maybe not. Ah, I can't even think of a circumstance where that would occur. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It seems unlikely now that I'm thinking about it more. So, yeah, have you ever ridden a horse? And or or you know, if not, are you scared of horses? Like I'm not scared of horses. They seem pretty rad. I will say that I'm a little, you know, being a suburban white boy, even though we had like dairy and pig farms in the town I grew up in, I'm not a big fan of the smell of barn animals. You know what I mean? Like that, that is, that's rough on my nose. I I understand it's just animals and I I don't know. It doesn't work for me. (laughs) This is coming from a man who also can't stand cleaning the litter box of his cat so you know the cat weighs 10 pounds and what a cow weighs what 500 pounds a little bit different does it i don't actually know how much i don't know anything about animals (laughs) my i'm so like insulated in my suburban life so i guess i've just never been on a horse i like them i'm not scared of them if somebody said we're gonna ride horses today i'd be fine with it but I just never have, I guess. That's, yeah. Just to, you know, drive home the fact that I'm not a little piece of shit like Henry. All right. Question two. All right. So, Margot notices that Stephen has, like, an entourage because he's a king. So, my question is, I was thinking of going some, maybe some racial ways with this. Let's stay away from that. But uh, how much money do you need to have before you get to have an entourage? And let's, uh... How about we think about this in sustainable terms? So not like MC Hammer Entourage, but like, you know, you don't go broke having your friends live at your mansion kind of situation. Like uh, we talked about Stan Ewitt Hall earlier. I would assume the founder of Goodyear was probably rich enough to have an entourage. (laughs) So, yeah, I I don't know what that number would have to be. I mean, so these would be, in theory, an entourage are people you're paying, right? Oh, I own a small business and I would be horrified to think of having an entourage because it's just like money being thrown out the door. Like uh, at home, Laura and I sometimes, I should say Laura watches and I sit on the couch next to her, um, the real housewives of insert city here. And she limits it. So we're only on like I don't know, a few of them. I don't know. Like, she doesn't watch Dallas. So I've never seen Real Housewives of Dallas. But she's a big fan of some of them. But I think the New York Housewives, they always have interns or employees. And they don't make any money, I wouldn't think. Maybe, 
as a lifestyle brand? How do you make yourself a lifestyle brand? God damn it. That sounds pretty sweet. I feel like I'm really missing Instagram culture here, and that might be part of it. Like, uh, if I understood how I could be an influencer, maybe this would make more sense to me, but it really doesn't. And they all have, like, employees just doing nothing, like, handling their schedule for the day. What the fuck are they doing? Like, I would never have an intern to help me. Hey, uh, Mr. Armstrong, guess what? Um, you know, you got to take an afternoon shower. You have that on your schedule today. And then uh, you're going to pretend to work out because sometimes you don't do it very well. And then uh, after that, you got to make dinner for your wife before she comes home. Okay. So that's what we're scheduling for. We're going to pencil that in for today. I don't need to pay somebody for that, especially some poor asshole with like a college degree following me around, which is the vibe I get from some of them. I don't think I'd even want to be in an entourage, let alone have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like it'd be a lot of yes men. I don't know. It's a tough call. I don't know how much money that would require, though. It would be, you know, millionaire status. I think you got to go... I think you're going to go hundreds of millions before you get an entourage, right? Hundreds of millions. Yeah. So you got to be like pro athlete with sponsorship level to make that happen. I feel like, cause I mean, I'm not paying my friend $74,000 to like sleep at my house. That's not cool. Or, you know, give them a car for their birthday. I, I guess a King's entourage is more bureaucratic in a sense. So is that like closer to like a government entourage? I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. How much money do you need for an entourage? It's like, it's an interesting question. And all my discussion questions are very interesting. I think that goes without saying. Uh, all right. All right. How about I'm going to make up a question three. So they're getting back into the carriage. So um, what when you go on a road trip, so they're going to be on a road trip for two days. They're going to stop in between. That's great. But uh, what, what what kind of snacks do you bring with you? You know, because I got to go on road trips during the year. So, you know, let me know. That's a good suggestion for me. Selfishly, I want to know what you guys are bringing with you. So the lovely Lara is, you know, healthy and stuff. So I think when it's just me alone, I think I've mentioned driving to Canada, Tim Hortons, getting donuts and shit like that. I've driven to like Columbus with a, bag of hostess donuts that is empty by the time I get there. Columbus is two hours from me, by the way, two and a half, maybe. So I'm more of a junk food, road trip food kind of person. I'll get Laura. Laura will eat combos sometimes on a road trip, which reminds me, I got to get some combos this week. Anyway, you know, the little uh, tubes of cheese that are pretzel surrounded. Oh, they're so good. But she'll eat those on road trips. Uh, and then, like, if we're staying somewhere, I try to get her Cheetos. I think that's her favorite, like, junk food. And that is a solid junk food. A bag of Cheetos. Oh, yes. I know I would probably go with, like, nacho cheese Doritos. But I don't know that I'd do that in the car. I mean, I would, I guess. Um, but, yeah, donuts in the car. Amazing. Uh, road trip food. What else would I bring in the car with me. Snack food. Let's not go like hot food, like fast food or anything. Um, and I feel like donuts, that could happen in the world of magic, right? And we've discussed if they have like potato chips in the world of magic and like how they would be delivered like in a paper bag. I mean, they would have potato chips. I, I think 
the world of magic has mastered the art of deep frying and probably what the is it the mandolin that you use to cut vegetables real thin i mean i know it's a musical instrument but is it also the thing you cut things (laughs) thin with i feel like it might be i don't know yeah so i mean they probably have access to all this junk food cheetos might be a stretch since they're like extruded um corn product (laughs) i don't know i don't know if they'd have cheetos but yeah what else are some good road trip foods to eat in the car I know I've eaten, like, a box of Triscuits in the car before. That's pretty good. I don't know what else. I was pointing out uh, this week, though, that, like, uh, I've considered, like, hiding Girl Scout cookies in my trunk that Lara doesn't know about and then driving around and eating them. That's an option. I guess Girl Scout cookies would be good. Like a sleeve of Thin Mints sitting in the cup holder. Yeah, that would work out nice. (laughs) It's Girl Scout cookie season. If you're not in America, oh, you're missing out. They're so good. Very expensive. Totally worth it. Yep. Yep. I got two boxes of Thin Mints coming for sure this week. If I go play soccer this Friday, which eh, is questionable, but I do love playing soccer. So that's the other side of that. But if I do play soccer, ooh, I'm going to get some Thin Mints. It's going to be so good. Somebody on my team has... Uh, Girl Scout troop, not a daughter though, but she's got Thin Mints, so that's all that I care about. I'm getting Thin Mints. Yes! Uh, oh, and Glenn, if you're listening, uh, just uh, uh, put me down for two more boxes of Thin Mints. Yep, I'll buy them. That's no problem, okay? Uh, anyway, I just placed an order for Girl Scout cookies on a podcast. Is that a first? I think so. So, those are our discussion questions. We're going to be back next week. Next week's chapter going to throw you for a loop a little bit i think uh it's going to be different it's short i've already pointed out laura reminded me last night that all my pop my next like three podcasts are supposed to be short so next week's another short one it's going to be a little different but i think we're going to enjoy it it's going to do some plot development and all that kind of excitement because right now you guys are probably like what's the plot i'll give you a hint they keep implying there's some horrible weapon northern lords yada 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 there you go there's your hint huh Mm. i mean i'd really like to see a summary of this book show up on uh, goodreads (laughs) who has a goodreads account and can enter this book yeah 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 so we'll be back next week i'm gonna get it out on time as far as i know so uh it's gonna be exciting uh, you know what? If you do have que- answers for the uh, discussion questions or questions that I can answer, see how I turn that around, um, go ahead, write into the show. You can reach me at jba at sdf.org via email. Uh, if you want to hit me up on Mastodon, it's jba at mastodon.sdf.org. Or if you want to hit me up on Twitter, it's Fortran Jeff. And I don't believe anybody has. Let's have a look see, huh? Okay, I'm going to go live on the air. Do I have feedback? Boop, 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 boop. My guess is no. I never have any notifications. Nobody writes to me. Okay, so yeah. Hit me up on Twitter at Fortran Jeff. You can find me on Reddit at Printstar, but I don't really advertise that, nor do I post on Reddit much anymore. I think we've gone over that, so we don't have to do that again. Yeah, and uh, you know, just write in if you're listening, if you think the show stinks. Uh, you can even put at the top of the email, don't read this on on the air, and I won't. But uh, And you know what? I only got, well, I literally got no 
What? Glenn gave some beer ideas. Laura gave a wine varietal. I mean, she didn't really give me any actual wine. So this beer and wine club thing, not taking off. Although I think Laura didn't finish last episode, so she doesn't know about the beer and wine club. But write in. Any beers or wines you like, let's hear them. Uh, I'm going to be drinking wine this week, and it's going to be super fun. Uh, I'm going to be drinking a lot of beer because Genesee Springbok is available. Maybe that should be next week's drink on the show. I'm thinking it should be. It. I don't want to, like, you know, oversell it, but it is the greatest beer ever made. Write in with your ideas. And if you didn't understand any of those addresses I just read or spoke to you or whatever... Go over to jeffreadsbook.com and right there you can find some links to contact me, buy these stupid-ass books so I can afford this microphone, which in fairness has probably depreciated to zero by this point, but, uh, you know, it's not worth money anymore, right? Although it works, how could it not be worth money? Yeah, yeah. Figure that one out unless you're an accountant and now you can write in if you're an accountant and tell me how that works. But uh, anyway... Uh, That's about it for the show. I'm going to go finish this Jim Beam. So until next time, keep on reading. 